warning. This preview cannot show all of the terrifying and grotesque transformation sequences from the last 30 minutes of The Beast Within. The filmmakers strongly suggest that those who may be shocked by this unique, horrifying movie use caution when seeing the film. beautiful listeners and welcome back to rise from the dead podcast i'm your girl ash aka ash to ashes and for today's episode i am joined by one of my newfound friends derek say what's up derek hey i'm so stoked to be here (laughs) to talk about this wild wild film (laughs) me too it's it's gonna be a good one because like i like i told you like a couple minutes ago I've watched this movie about three times now, and I have some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, of course, like always, I like to ask my guests some questions. So, Derek, are you ready? Uh, yeah, shoot. <laughs> All right. So, first question: Who is Derek? Uh, who is Derek? Oh my God! I feel like I'm at the worst possible age to answer that question. <laughs> Um, I guess I am a, um, in a word, horror. I just kind of imbue that in my life in so many ways. You know, I'm a student, a writer, an actor. Um, I'm literally going to school for theater as my major, which is a mistake, but. I'm jealous. I've uh, always, I really wanted to go to school for theater, but I was like, no, I need to do something else or I was just like scared because I'm like there's so many talented people there awesome. are but it's also I feel like I don't know I, I'm, I've learned so much during my major but like at the same time I'm, I've kind of you know fell in love with film so much these last couple of years that I'm like I wish I had done film instead of theater but I'm very grateful for all my experiences but I guess yeah I, I say Derek is horror i like that i like that a lot so next question if you were to teach a horror 101 class what three films will you show your students um the texas chainsaw massacre the texas chainsaw massacre 2 and eve's bayou oh okay I, i like those especially eve's bayou i I'm glad that, like, now that I'm old enough, I can actually understand that movie. Because <laughs> it's like, imagine, like, eight-year-old me running around and trying to watch this movie. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> no, I, I feel that. There's a lot of movies where I've kind of come back to them recently and been like, oh, this movie's, like, about something. It's not, like, <laughs> just a series of random events. Right. So would you say that you're a huge um, Texas Chainsaw fan? Yes. Uh, The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my favorite horror movie. I love that movie. And this wasn't part of the question, but I'll give an answer anyway. No, you're fine. Go Um, ahead. The subject of the class would be modern horror as fairy tales. And that's why I would use those three, because I believe that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the perfect American fairy tale. Okay, I never heard of like that, like the Texas Chainsaw being described that way. That's very interesting. I like that take on that. So are you excited about the new film that's coming out? I am. I just wish we had like, you know, I, I mean, I know we know the cast, which is, you know, it's a very exciting cast. You have, um, oh, why am I forgetting her name? But from Silent Hill, the villain from Silent Hill is in it, and I think that's very exciting. Um, I think Jorge Lendeborg Jr. from uh, Trent, uh, Bumblebee is in it as well. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm always excited for a new Texas Chainsaw project because I feel like we've had eight movies, and they're all so different from each other. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> And the timeline is just so all over the place. Oh, yeah. People think the Halloween timeline is complicated. Like, let me introduce you to this classic (laughs) franchise. Right. Um, No, but wait. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm excited too. It seems like because I finally read up on the little synopsis for it. And it seems like they're going to take little elements from the first film and add it on to this one, which I'm excited for. And then we're going to have an aging Leatherface and Sally is going to be there, obviously, played by a different actress, R.I.P. But, um, yeah, I'm super excited. Hopefully it stays, um, it comes out in time because I know with COVID, everything got messed up and pushed around it. I just hope we get to see it soon. Yeah. I hope it's not like that Children of the Corn remake that came out earlier this year. Oh, Lord. I have not even watched that. (laughs) Me neither, because I don't know how, because, like, it was released with no fanfare. There wasn't a trailer. Like, it just kind of dropped silently. And I really hope that this movie does not do that. Yeah, I remember reading up about the Children of the Corn, how they were doing the whole... Um, like gender swap with the two main um, children. So instead of like males, there was going to be females. And yeah, I I haven't heard anything about it ever since. Was it released through sci-fi or was it just? I, I, I don't even know. I just know that like it came out earlier this year and <laughs> that's, that's the last I heard. <laughs> maybe I'll take one for the team and check it out. I don't know. That's a big maybe. <laughs> right, because if it released and like nobody talked about it, that's not a great sign. <laughs> that yeah, that means y'all done messed up. <laughs> Alrighty, <laughs> um, what will your last words be if you're about to get killed by a villain? Um, <laughs> can we kiss first? <laughs> uh, especially if it's Michael Myers. Oh, okay. So Michael Myers will be like your love thing. Yeah, I don't know why. I think Michael Myers is super sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Is it because he's all tall and just quiet? He gets the work done. (laughs) Yeah, well, those are both qualities I really love tall and quiet. Um, But we, uh, my roommate and I just watched the Rob Zombie Halloween last night, and that Michael Myers is so tall. I was like, wow, this is really, you know, doing a lot for me. <laughs> but yeah, Michael. But I mean, that's not like, I'm not putting like Freddy or Ghostface or Jason down or anything. You right, know, right. I would kiss any Ghostface, you know, um, <laughs> except for I feel like Jill would stab me. <laughs> Jill was cuckoo. And it's bad enough that I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Emma Roberts. But I'm like, you could tell, like, her performance was true to nature. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Jill scares me. Of all the ghost faces, I think Jill is the scariest. I think yeah. she's the craziest. <laughs> she is, in the words of Manny Santos from Degrassi, cuckoo bananas. But <laughs> all righty. So what would be your favorite subgenre of horror? Um. You know, I guess um, this is kind of a weird subgenre, but I guess road trip horror, um, because that's what Texas Chainsaw falls under, I think. So, you know, like Texas Chainsaw, Wolf Creek, I feel like falls under it, the wrong turn movies, even though I don't like the wrong turn movies. um, They still, I like some of them, but a lot of them are really a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I like the road trip, like getting, like going somewhere and then having something terrible happen to you at a place that's not home specifically. I'm into that. Oh yeah, I like that too. Um, yeah, pretty much just like following with what you said, the whole being somewhere new, not being aware of your surroundings, and it's like, what do you do? And um, have you ever seen the rest stop films? There's two of them. I have not. Yeah, those were, I want to say, 2006, 8, or something like that. Like, the early, mid-thousands. Sure, sure. But, um, yeah, those are those are pretty good. I haven't watched them in a while. I have to see if they're streaming anywhere. Uh, also, this movie doesn't make it obvious, but the movie we're talking about today is kind of a road trip horror movie. Yeah, there is, yeah. 
and the in the most literal sense of like <laughs> they leave their hometown. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't wait to get into this movie. So we can make this our last question and just get on to the movie. Why do you love horror? I think I love horror for a lot of reasons. I think it is the most limitless genre. I think you can truly do anything with horror. Um, You can explore any topic, any taboo, any kind of friction or mess um can be explored and explained through horror and then there's also you know there's a cathartic element to a lot of horror movies um you know like for people who have suffered trauma for instance Mm -hmm. um a lot of horror movies can really resonate with um, us and that's definitely been an aspect that has brought me um close like more into the genre since you know i was like 11 or 12 and i really like the community has really made my love stronger especially as i've connected with more um black horror fans and just horror heads like i've just found this great community of people online to just talk about our love of the genre with and that has just made me love horror even more and exposed me to so many more movies i mean like this i would have never watched this movie probably um if you hadn't like re- uh, like asked for podcast guests and yeah oh i love so- that i agree with everything you just said horror is just there's just something about it that it just touches your soul and it's funny i've i'm pretty sure i mentioned this a couple of times that I've always told people like, yeah, I'm really into horror or they'll look at my car because on my car I have um, stickers of like Sam from Trick or Treat, Michael Myers, right. Jason, uh, Freddie. And they're like, oh, my gosh, your car. You like horror movies? And make like that weird face like, oh, that's like <laughs> like you guys only notice like the one thing of horror, like horror helps a lot so much like. A lot of people just don't realize it. it's not always about the whole blood, gut, slasher, and like violence. It just, to me, it helps to like, it just, it's soothing. It helps you to deal with like a lot of trauma. It's like there's no judgment. Like you can feel like you belong. So I, I that's why I love horror. And like I said, I've, I was in a dark place. And being part of the horror community helped me a lot. Yeah, it feels like we're all just a um, a group of very, like, mismatched, kind of broken, like, rabbits hopping around and just telling each other, hey, have you seen this obscure movie from 1982 that was released in one theater and only came out on DVD, like, two years ago? Um, which is, no, it's kind of awesome. It is. Uh, and I've met so many, like, amazing people, and I met you. It's just, I just love being part of this community. Yeah. All righty, listeners, we are about to get on with this episode. Once again, this show does contain spoilers, so I'm sorry in advance if you want to pause this episode and just watch the film yourself and come back and listen to the rest of this episode, you're allowed to. I'll allow it this time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for today's episode, we'll be reviewing the 1982 film The Beast Within, Directed by Felipe Mora, who is behind Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf from 85, and the Howl- Howling 3, The Marsupials from 1987. Um, for the cast, we have Paul Clemens as Michael McCleary, Ronnie Cox as Eli McCleary, B.B. Besh as Caroline McCleary, McCleary I'm sorry, <laughs> and Don Gordon as Judge Curran. That's a mouthful right there. <laughs> Alrighty. 
The Beast Within is a very loose adaption of Edward Levy's 1981 novel of the same name, with the plot centering on a couple's son who begins exhibiting strange behavior after his 17th birthday. So, Derek, I have to ask, were you aware of this film before uh, watching it for the first time? Have you heard anything about it? Uh, no, I hadn't. I'd heard absolutely nothing about this movie before. Um, completely not aware, but I think I'm glad that I have now. <laughs> Still trying to like resonate with like all that happened in the film. Yeah, like trying to literally moment by moment be like, what happened exactly? <laughs> but yeah, no, I am. I. I I hope more people do hear about this because I feel like it, it. I feel like it's the kind of movie that a lot of people we know on Twitter would really fuck with. Oh yeah, definitely. I know my first time like hearing about this film. I remember I forgot what cable channel will show this, but they'll do like a countdown of the top. 50, 50 like horror films you never seen and this is where I, I discovered this movie it was like top 50 unseen horror movies you probably never seen before I don't think that's the exact title but that's like pretty much along the lines of it um <laughs> and I think PJ Souls hosted it it oh, might still yeah uh, I can send you a link to it it might still be streaming on Prime I know Voodoo had it but um yeah, this was on the list. I forgot the ranking of the film, but um, yeah, that's how I discovered it. I was like, huh, this looks pretty good. And I just happened to get on Hulu and it was streaming on there. And it, till this day, it's still streaming on there. So listeners, after listening to this episode and you're like interested in watching this movie, it's now streaming on Hulu. And then a uh, fun fact, because on that um on that countdown, the actor Paul, who plays Michael, was discussed was talking about how um, Queen Latifah approached him, and he was like, "Oh, you're the kid from The Beast Within. That's one of my favorite movies." Oh my god! <laughs> right, I'm like, "What, Queen Latifah? That is awesome." <laughs> but That's, yeah. Oh my god! That's like. The, I, I don't know. That's the best kind of celebrity anecdote. <laughs> right. I mean, I love me some, some Queen Latifah, so I'll be, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'll be so starstruck if I was him. Alrighty, so we can uh, get on with the plot of the film. Alrighty. While driving through Mississippi, Caroline and Eli McCleary get stuck on a deserted road. Eli walks to a service station for help. A creature chained in a cellar breaks free and escapes into the forest. It finds the McCleary's car and rapes Caroline. Eli and the service station attendant find her lying in the forest. As they drive off, two gunshots are heard. 17 years later, their son Michael, conceived as a result of Caroline's assault, has become ill. The family returns to Mississippi looking for information about the man who assaulted Caroline in case Michael's illness is genetic. They learn about the unsolved murder of a mortician named Lionel Curran 17 years prior. The townspeople, including Judge Curran and newspaper editor Edwin Curran, refuse to tell them anything. Eli and Caroline ask Sheriff Bill Poole about Lionel's death. Poole tells them Lionel's corpse was found partially eaten. Seemingly possessed, Michael murders and cannibalizes Edwin Curran. He stumbles to the home of Amanda Platt and collapses. Amanda calls the police and Michael is taken to the hospital. Doc Shoemaker tells Michael's parents that he needs rest. Michael goes to Amanda's house to thank her. They go for a walk in the forest. Amanda tells Michael she is the daughter of Horace Platt, an abusive alcoholic who is Lionel Curran's cousin. As the teens kiss, Amanda's dog arrives with Edwin's severed arm. They alert the sheriff. Horace arrives and commands Michael to stay away from Amanda. Caroline and Michael return to the hospital while Eli, Poole, and Shoemaker search for clues. 
They uncover a swamp full of human bones with human tooth marks. Shoemaker thinks one bone belonged to a patient of his who died years ago. The men go to the mortuary and question Dexter Ward, who was Lionel Curran's apprentice when the woman died. Ward denies that anyone else has anyone else was buried in her place. After the men leave, Ward calls the judge and demands money in return for silence. He is soon killed by a possessed Michael. We can take a little break right here. All righty. <laughs> a lot happens within the first half of the film. We are introduced to Eli and Caroline. They're, um, I want to say, honeymooners. They just got married and they're, I guess, making their way to their honeymoon. Car breaks down and um, Caroline stays behind with the dog. So Eli comes back with like a tow truck. She's assaulted and is found. What were what was going through your head when all that was happening? Well, my first my first thought was these people are so old. <laughs> Thank you. I thought I was the only one. That was the <laughs> which I mean makes sense given that there's a 17 year time jump in a bit, but they make no attempts to make this couple look younger in the opening scene. So like if you're not paying attention, it would be very easy to just be very confused when they talk about Michael being the product of the assault. Because you'd be like, but but what, 17 years? And they still look like that? Like, I guess they went from looking bad for their age to looking good for their age. Like, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, also... You know, outside of being an assault scene, which is hard to watch on its own, it was really gross. It was. She was really slimy. I don't know if you noticed that, but whenever they'd show, like, a shot of her chest, there was all this really gross slime over her. And obviously, there's a reason for, excuse me, there's a reason for that, but it was still gross. Yeah, I definitely, um, <clears throat> I was definitely uncomfortable with that scene. I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I, any scene like that is going to be a hard watch. Um, my thing is, is like, um, uh, so Caroline couldn't go with you, Eli? You just going to leave your woman alone like that? <laughs> right, on a back road in Mississippi, couldn't be me. No, I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not waiting here. What, what the dog gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, 17 years later, we have Michael, who is going through a lot of health problems. It seems that now that he's approaching the age of 17, his health is just going down the hill, and they're trying to figure out what is going on with him. And we're not sure what it is. And then um, the whole scene with the doctor talking to his parents. And you could tell that Eli, the father, is still like, he is not wanting to think about that whole situation. He Like, he's just in denial. He's like, you know what? I don't care. Like, that's my son. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to even try to look for this person who is behind all of this. Mm -hmm. That actual argument... Sorry, I didn't... <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, that argument between them was actually, I think, really <laughs> hard to watch. I mean, it's just a couple arguing in the hospital. Like, there's nothing physically gross or anything about the scene. But just, like, you can tell that Caroline, I guess, maybe has... I don't know how to work... Maybe has made peace with what happened. Or at least it's like not like trying to be like this happened to me like and we can't keep pretending it didn't but her husband is kind of being really unsupportive of her in a way that like makes it seem like he feels i don't know like his honor or something was or like his pride was bruised by the whole assault mm -hmm. that happened 17 years earlier like he, he's acting like it affected him more than her because, like, that it would make him less of her husband or less of, you know, his son's father. 
it, it's just it, it's definitely an emotionally like fraught fight and i mean kudos to the actors you can tell that they like they they do a nice enough job conveying the characters kind of history i guess with this fight in the hallway even if i really can't get behind the dad's perspective if that makes sense yeah i absolutely agree with everything you just said i was i had that in my notes i was actually going to say it myself but yeah i could have put in any better words than you have um i've always my i have a question i'm just like so i wonder if michael's health was like always complicated or if all this just happened right when he turned 17 i was it would have been nice to see like how his childhood would like was leading up to him being 17 for sure um i don't know it was like i don't know the answer to that is i guess what i'm getting at because it's not super clear i guess just because we didn't see anything for for my reading of the film i'm going to assume he was fine until he like got on you know the far side of being a teenager and like this is a recent health development but it's getting bad fast right and then um we are finally um shown like we see michael he's laying in bed and he's like having this really um bad nightmare he is seen going to him like an abandoned house he is um he finds the cellar and is shut closed and something in the cellar is telling him to open the door and let them out and there's a lot of foreshadowing going on in this nightmare because we later on see in the film what's down the cellar who or what is in the cellar and how they play a huge role with michael's deteriorating health so um we had that going on and then we can uh skip on over to um eli caroline they go back to the small town in mississippi and try to find some like information on what happened that night um with caroline's assaults they're just trying to figure out who could be responsible for it if it was like reported any news uh news clippings and the townspeople they meet are just sketchy right off the bat mm-hmm. they're like uh no we don't know what you're talking about like we're just a little town the only huge thing that happens is like a couple of barn fires that's it i was like mm-hmm, yeah i ain't shit <laughs> It's very, I mean, that's kind of what makes this the road trip horror subgenre, right? Because the locals are all very unhelpful. They're mm-hmm. secretive, you know, and they they very much make the family feel isolated in this small town. Mm, definitely. And then um, moving on, um, Michael escapes the hospital. Something is telling him. He needs to go to this town and um, see if he can find Edward, not not Edward, Edwin Curran, who is the um, the newspaper editor that we saw earlier in the film. Um, Michael is pretty much possessed, and this whole scene, this is actually one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie. It's just like the whole suspense and the uneasiness in this whole scene. Especially with Michael. Oh my gosh. He was like. I don't know how to describe him. He was just like creepy. And I just felt so uncomfortable. Like the camera like would go over to Edwin. And then like it will go over to Michael. And you just see like that little grin. Like the little smirk he had on his face. And it's just like that evil smirk. Like oh I'm about to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah he. um, Edwin mistakens. Um, Michael as a food delivery boy and he's like oh I got plenty of food like let I'll feed you you look hungry and <laughs> the whole scene with Edwin preparing that ground beef 
mm. was just weird because he was having a little too much fun with that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, this is going to be good. And he was just, yeah, having too much fun. And then Michael was like, oh, no, I'm about to mess you up. And that's when Michael kills Edwin and eats him. Mm-hmm. Also, Edwin's shirt is so dirty. <laughs> like, he's wearing a white tank top, and there are stains all over it. I'm like, fam, don't you have, like, don't you wash your clothes? Right, and it's funny because when we're first introduced to him, he looks like he's very strict, and he likes things a certain way. And then cut over to this scene, he's just like, he's a, he's drunk, he's messy, he looks like he stinks. And I'm like, sir, what are you doing? Yeah, that house <laughs> definitely smells terrible. <laughs> it's probably all that meat. It's like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, sorry, I lost my place. Um, we are introduced to Amanda. Michael's love interest. And this scene was weird too. <laughs> he shows up to her house and he's like, Oh, I just want to say thank you for saving my life. And then he asks if he can come into her house. I'm just like, Boy, you are so forward. Like, you don't even know her like that. You're just like, Can I come in? Yeah. That scene on the porch didn't bother me as much as the scene as the next scene. Oh, in the like the lake area or yeah. the woods, yeah, yeah, because they're, they're like walking along, and he's just like, "Do you have a boyfriend?" And he asked her this like two or three times if she had a boyfriend, and he's like, "Why not? Why not? You're beautiful. You should have a boyfriend." <laughs> and like from that scene, I was, I was getting total creeper vibes. It reminded me of when I used to be on dating sites, and you get those creepers. Hitting on you. But, um. Yeah, Michael. I mean, it's hard to judge Michael, like, empirically, because it's like, how much of this is, like, you know, the spirit of the actual monster, and how much of this would Michael have, you know, done himself? But, uh, he is, uh, He's being very creepy during this walk they take. Yeah, I, and this might be weird, but my, I, I, I keep going back and forth. Is Michael handsome or is he not? I Am think, I attracted to him or like what's going on? I, I, I don't have an answer for that either. But I think <laughs> what threw me off about Michael's looks is that he kind of looks like an actual teenager. And we're so not used to seeing that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're used to seeing, like, movie star, like, 20-something, like, that level of looks for people playing teenagers. But when you get someone who kind of looks just like a regular teenage boy, it's like, what is what is this? <laughs> I have a friend, Dylan, who looked a lot like Michael in high school. And so that's like, wow, this is like kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, y'all actually did your research and hired actors that look appropriate for the role. Okay. Sorry. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) All right. So Caroline Michael returns to the hospital while Eli, Poole, and Shoemaker search for clues. They uncover a swamp full of human bones with human teeth marks. Shoemaker thinks one bone belonged to a patient of his who died years ago. The men go to the mortuary and question Dexter Ward, who was Lionel Currens of Princeton's, when a woman died. Ward denies that anyone else was buried in her place. After the men leave, Ward calls the judge and demands money in return for silence. He is soon killed by a possessed Michael. At the graveyard, the men discover the woman's coffin is filled with rocks. They return to the mortuary to question Ward, but find him dead. Michael, still possessed, finds a man named Tom Laws. Laws converses with the spirit possessing Michael, whom he calls Billy Connors. Assuming direct control of Michael, Connors describes using magic to return as a spirit to punish the current family after his death 17 years ago. 
The next day, the judge tells Poole to investigate the murders. Laws, Laws tries to tell Poole that Connors has possessed Michael and is killing people, but Poole dismisses him. Connor kills Laws for talking to Poole. Afraid of his behavior, Michael goes to Amanda and warns her to leave town. While she packs, Connors and Michael struggle to control Michael's body. Michael throws himself from Amanda's window to prevent Connors from killing her. And re he returns to the hospital and begs to be killed, fearing that Connors will take over and Michael would be able, unable to stop him. He tells Poole and Eli to go to Lionel Curran's house and look in the basement. They find a skeleton with a chain wrapped around its leg, which they assume is Connor's remains. At the hospital, Poole, Eli, Caroline, and Shoemaker witness Michael's metamorphosis into a monster as Connor's takes control and kills Horace. Everyone flees to the police station. Judge Curran confesses that Lionel was responsible for Connor's death. After discovering Connors was having an affair with his wife, Lionel killed her and imprisoned Connors in his cellar. He fed Connor corpses stolen from the mortuary until one night Connors metamorphosed into a monster, broke free, and killed Lionel. He raped Caroline in the woods before being shot by Lionel's relatives, apparently returning to the cellar to die. Connors attacks the police station, kills the judge, and is pursued into the forest. He finds Amanda in a broken-down car and assaults her. When Caroline and Eli finds him, he attacks Eli, forces, forcing Caroline to shoot him in the head. It is implied that Connors may have impregnated Amanda, continuing the cycle of his resurrection. The end. Woo! <laughs> yeah, the, the ending of this movie... From when, I would say, starting when Michael goes to the hospital, it is breakneck pace. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything is happening, and you're like, what is going on? Um, but, I mean, well, that that was what was going on. But, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I know. Um, I probably want to say, like, my first time, first and a half, yeah, first time watching this, I did con get confused with the characters and like all the people that were re responsible for uh, Connor's like murder. So I was like, okay, so we have this person and then, okay, how's Lionel related to this? And it wasn't until like this second and third watch, I finally understood everyone's role in this uh, situation. So what were your thoughts? Like, how did you feel about how the film is broken down? Like, you have, like, it says, like, the first night and then the second night. And then we have, like, the big climatic ending of Michael's full uh, metamorphosis. I mean, it feels like, you know, standard 80s monster film in terms of structure. That all made sense to me. And I actually do think they did a good job, like, segregating events between the nights so that it didn't feel like it was all truly all happening at once, because that would have been a bit harder to follow, I think. Mm -hmm. um, that said, I think it would have been... <laughs> this is not exactly the question you asked, but I think... Something they could have done to make the ending a little bit cleaner is just keep all the action at the police station and not have them run back into the woods, even though I get that it's, like, cyclical. It, um, it feels like if they had just had the shootout, like, by the shootout, I mean, um, had, like the second assault and um, have him attack his dad, if that had all happened at the police station it would have been a little tighter, maybe. That's a random thing, but, yeah. No, you're, um, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I know I kind of had a little, like, issue with the last act, especially when they go running into the, the like the woods because it was a little too dark to actually see what was all happening yeah like, <laughs> i wish they would have just you know spent some money on some lights 
Right. And I get like they were trying to be like, oh, like it's a mystery. We're not sure what's all going to happen. But it's like, well, as a viewer, I can't really tell who is who. It was some Game of Thrones lighting in there. Like, uh-uh. <laughs> um, I mean, really, I don't even know if it was like, I think it was truly just a, <laughs> they couldn't find room in the budget for one lamp, one, one <laughs> flashlight. <laughs> right. I don't know, maybe. And I know there's an, um, I'm pretty sure there's an arrow, arrow, um, blu-ray special edition release of this film so maybe i bet that transfer is really nice yeah so maybe it's nice and crispy and i won't have to struggle (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how did you feel about michael's transformation so what's funny i did not know the connection between this movie and howling two and three i haven't seen howling two and three but um uh i have seen the first howling and after the movie, I went into my roommate's room and I was like, they reused the bubbling skin from the first Yes! <laughs> they did. And there's like a specific method they do to capture like the whole bubbling skin. Like they'll use um, what I read. They, they either use like little balloons or like condoms. Yeah. To like, like do the little blowing up like bubbling effect. And literally like inflate them. It, it's... I mean, it's mechanically fascinating, even though it's gross. Yeah, like... like, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, it's gross to watch. I don't think, like... It's not a gross, like, effect in terms of, you know, the mechanics of it. It's it's fascinating, uh, like I just said, but it is, like, watching someone's skin bubble like that is a little unsettling. It is, and then, like... The scene where um, they're in the hospital, and this is like the second time they found Michael, and he's tell like he's literally begging them to kill him. It's like y'all should have listened to him, but uh, <laughs> um, the doctor is like trying to like cut open like the scab that's forming on <laughs> Michael's back, <laughs> and it's just his whole transformation. Same with um with the howling like when we first see the werewolf transformation that film i literally got sick it It, takes a lot for me to get sick when it comes to horror movies but seeing that i was just like (laughs) i'm about to i'm about to get sick i mean kudos because the effects look great but like it's so nasty (laughs) it is and then also michael when, when his head like gets super big Yes, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Looks like a football. I was like, this is so nasty. And his transformation is like going like boom, 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 boom. I'm like, dang, his head grew. <laughs> I actually thought his head was going to explode. <laughs> that would have been cool. Um, but no, when it started to shrink, like when it, when it went, I was like, oh. Well, then why did it get so big? It's like, <laughs> I was like, okay. But yeah, the transformation, great effects, but nasty. Yeah. I mean, they got their work done. They proved their point. They understood the assignment. <laughs> I mean, another. They... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. They did. I totally just agree with you. Oh, yeah. And the no- another thing I liked about this film was the. They used a lot of cicada references. Yes. I don't um I'm I'm in Ohio and we had our little cicada um attack over the summer. So <laughs> they don't bother me, but like just watching this film and how they kept going back and forth with the whole references, I'm like, that makes so much sense. And then with Michael Transformation, it's like with his head and all that stuff, he kind of did resemble I will just say I have never heard the word cicada used so much in a movie. Same. Like, <laughs> I like basically the entire last half of this movie is someone saying cicada every other sentence. <laughs> it's like, as I was saying, I'm like, oh, they know about cicadas. I'm not the only one. 
Because <laughs> for some reason, I keep thinking cicadas is just an Ohio thing. Because you don't really hear much about them. So yeah, it's only like special this, every like seventeen years, right? Yeah, like the big ass group of the them is backs. like yeah, it's like every seventeen years you do have like your annual cicadas where they're not as intense. They just pretty much stay hidden. You just hear them making their noises. But that yeah. seventeen year one, oh. It's um, it's funny. So we don't get the big like the the big ones here in Minnesota, just because we have um, like too much frozen soil too long mm-hmm. of the year. Um, so the the really deep ones can't come here. We do get the annual ones though. So like, I don't have that much experience with cicadas, <laughs> but like. Obviously, I was on Twitter when everyone was, you know, experiencing this in other states. And even then, I think they use Cicada more in this 83-minute movie than anyone tweeted about it this entire summer. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is definitely the first, like, horror film I even... Heard them referencing cicadas. Maybe there's more. Maybe there's an actual horror movie about cicadas. I don't know. (laughs) Unless somebody wants to take the time to make it. (laughs) So do you have any um, more like thoughts you have about this film? Is there a scene that stood out to you? Any issues with the characters? Favorite kills? Um... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I will say, um, uh, oh, sorry, I just dropped my phone. The kills, I don't really have a favorite one. They were all kind of, you know, I would say they were even. They were, they were not deserving. (laughs) Yeah. They also, they weren't the most spectacular kills I've ever seen in a movie, but they were definitely serviceable. Mm -hmm. um, If we're like measuring it by, like that I liked Amanda. I thought she, um, that actress, uh, Catherine Moffat, did a really nice job. I think, actually, in terms of acting for an '80s kind of B-level monster movie, I think everyone, you know, certainly they were getting their paychecks. Like <laughs> they came there to work. Oh yeah, definitely. And I love um, the actor that played Michael. Like I felt like he was definitely the right person to play this character because he's handsome but yet he's scary and when he is like ready to attack a person that's when you're like oh okay I don't want to be in the same room with him it's like to go back to the scene where um, Michael and Amanda are walking through the forest um, Paul Clemens the actor who plays uh, Michael he can it's like he can turn a switch and go from kind of endearing to frightening really quickly Oh, yeah. Because the first time he asks, do you have a boyfriend? That makes sense, right? Like, this is, you're just meeting this girl, and you don't want to, like, I guess you got to make sure, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of innocent when he asks her that time in a very, like, just endearing, like, do you have a boyfriend? Because I think I have a crush on you, and I don't want to, like, weird you out or anything. But then... You know, he he kind of then plays up the creep factor as the scene goes along. And the second time he asks, it's less of a innocent teenage crush thing. And it becomes very insidious and very, like, creepy. Um, it, it almost becomes a threat the more he asks it. Mm. And that was, like, so kudos to him. I, I totally agree. He was He was totally right for the part. Um, um, and also the scene when he is begging these people to kill him I believed him I believe that he really wanted everyone to kill him in that scene and you know it's kind of heartbreaking because he is 17 right yeah and you can tell like he's finally experiencing like his first crush and like he once he feels like he's getting back to normal, he was ready to 
just like being a typical teenager, but it was like this one thing just holding him back. And you just can't help but to feel sorry for him. He didn't ask for this. <laughs> no, he... No one asked for this, actually. No. <laughs> Very, like, specifically. Um, and it's also... It's just hard that it's his mom that has to be the one to put him down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, that's better, but it's also worse. Right. Because, um, like, yeah, like, you're, you're the parent, take responsibility, make sure it's you so that, you know, there was someone they love at the end, but also... She had to kill her own kid. That's kind of a bummer. Right. So what would you think if I were to tell you that there is a potential remake of this film? (laughs) I just saw that on the Wikipedia. Like, there hasn't been any updates recently, but I would, you know, I think this movie is prime for a remake. I think... I think this could this could be really well done. Um, this could be a really cool remake, I think. Yeah, I can see it. I just hope that if they do move forward with this remake, that it's not so CGI heavy. Because, you know, like, when it comes to remakes yeah, and sure. movies that deal with a lot of, like, uh, body transformations and all that stuff, they like to take the whole CGI route, and I cannot stand it. I like practical effects. I think the only well, and even then, it's like a it's a heavy mix of CGI and practical. The only CGI effects, or the only director I would trust with them is like Guillermo del Toro, okay. because it would be so aesthetically, you know, specific. But even then, he uses a mix of practical anyways, so it's not like. Let's go more of, like, an Evil Dead remake than of the Thing prequel, right? I don't know if you've seen those movies, but... Oh, yeah. I, that's yeah. funny, because you're the second person on my show to bring up the Thing prequel, and I have yet to see it. I've heard about it, but I have not watched it. I keep putting it off. It's fine, and actually some of the effects are good, but it it is, like, very CGI-heavy, And so some of the effects, while some of the effects are good, some of the effects are, like, real terrible. Right. And, yeah, I mean, if we could go with the, on the route, like, the 20, like, which Evil Dead, you were talking about the 2013 one? Yeah. Oh, I love that movie so much. (laughs) Me too. I love that movie. um, If we could even get that, I mean, I'll be fine. Um, Yeah, I'm just trying to think who would be a great Distribute, huh? If they could add this into like Shutter, I'd be down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah, Shutter could definitely, I think, do some interesting things with this. Uh, I like a lot of the movies that Shutter puts out. Oh, yeah. They feel very like visceral and raw in a way that a lot of horror movies that come out today don't. So, right. Yeah. Alrighty, so Derek, I will have to ask, should the beast within stay buried or rise from the dead? I think this movie should rise from the dead, if only for its very special effects work, but I think it does have other stuff to offer. Um, Yeah, I definitely think this is, this has a lot of qualities of the other movies that, you know, the other 80s horror movies that the horror community loves so i think this could just definitely be another another film that gets talked about in that arena i think yeah i definitely think this should rise from the dead oh yes and like i said earlier i've watched this three times and i absolutely love this movie um (laughs) so yeah i would have definitely have to say it should rise from the dead it I feel like everyone should see it. If you're a fan of um, body transformations and like just your typical like 80s horror and all that stuff, this is definitely the film for you. Like I said, it is streaming on Hulu, so definitely, so definitely get on that. Um, yeah, when it comes to like body transformation films and all that stuff, that's one of the few. Um, like subgenres that can get to me. 
Yeah, because it's it's. I mean, everything else is kind of not universal, right? Like, if you're if you don't believe in ghosts, or if you're not scared of the idea of ghosts, a lot of ghost movies might not scare you. For instance, um, I mean, I don't believe in ghosts, but ghost movies still kind of scare me. But <laughs> right. That's so that's not a perfect example, but like we all have bodies, so like body horror is one of the few things that I think can kind of viscerally affect everyone because we all have these subliminal fears about bad things happening to our bodies. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, definitely. Because, like, <laughs> with me, if I see something, I'm like, ooh, like. If a bug lands on me, I'm like, please don't bite me. Don't do this. Like, I get very cautious when it comes to some stuff. But, yeah, body horror is just a whole different ballpark. Yeah. Also, completely off topic, but, um, no, well, not completely. It's so <laughs> funny that we're talking about this movie this weekend because it gave me a lot of Candyman vibes, like the one that just yes. came out They're very similar stories. Yes. I was going to say that, but I was like, I'm not sure if if I should bring it up or... But yeah, definitely body horror in Candyman 2021. Because I I can tell you now, we just just did our review episode for that film, and I brought up the fact that towards the end of Candyman, we see um, his body... Um, I literally got sick <laughs> because I don't do the whole um, what's it called tripophobia. I can't deal with the tiny holes. I can't. Yeah. It makes me sick. So if you have that, be aware because it is in the new Candyman film. Yes. Also, um, the Anthony picking at the scab in Candyman. <laughs> Very similar to when them picking at the back, Michael's back in this movie. Very similar. Even though with Mike, like Michael is more slimy, I guess, but still. Right. We we don't like messing with that. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, listeners. That was our review on The Beast Within. Derek, once again, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show. I loved having you. Thank you for having me. Welcome. And where would you like our fabulous listeners to find you or check out any of your work? <laughs> um, well, definitely follow me on Twitter at Derek Sykes 17. Uh, I just kind of be tweeting whatever. <laughs> I will tweet <laughs> literally everything that comes into my head. So, I mean, if you follow me, you'll probably mute me. But still, I love the numbers. And you can also, if you would like, or I mean, even if you wouldn't, maybe follow us anyways, I have my own podcast called And That's It, featuring Juno and Derek that I host with my roommate and best friend, Juno. Uh, So you can follow that at Juno and Derek on Twitter. Uh, We have a very special episode coming up. It is our finale to our Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street season. Uh, So... That comes out September 13th, and I'm sure this episode will come out after that's already released. So we wrote and recorded an original Friday the 13th screenplay that we performed for the podcast. So that will be, that should be out by whenever this episode comes out. That is awesome. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, and it stars, um, you know... Some some good some good horror Twitter people are in it. I don't want to spoil everything, but it, it's definitely been a road. And yeah, I mean, Ash, I'd love to have you come on our podcast sometime. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Oh, definitely. Just let me know when I'll be in there. <laughs> I'm so jealous because Friday Thirteenth is one of my. It's like my number one favorite franchise. So I would definitely have to check it out. Yeah, I think uh, that is, ba- or um, also my uh, Instagram, I mean, I don't use it that much, but my the podcast has an Instagram, which is the full title, and that's it with Juno and Derek, so that could be a fun follow as well. 
Hell yeah. I'll definitely make sure to plug all that in the episode bio. And listeners, you can find me on Twitter at Ash to Ashes. That's Ash with the X in the middle, Ashes. And if you have any movie suggestions or if you would love to be a guest on this show, you can send an email to risefromthedeadpod at gmail.com. All right, listeners, this is Rise from the Dead. Y'all take care. Bye.